0: Welcome to the most must-listen Rutgers podcast on the planet, the Rutgers Scoutcast. We're back for another Friday, bringing the news to you all. Uh, Sam Hellman, Scarlet Report publisher, joined again by Scout National Recruiting Analyst Brian Doan. We're going to make you try on that National Recruiting Analyst hat in detail with some questions coming later, Brian, but uh, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well, Um, you know, just gearing up for... And his camp season finally, practices are going to start at the high school level in a few weeks. So uh, get a good look at me now, Sam, because in about a week you're not going to see me for a while.
0: I can't wait to fast forward to that. Really not too much going on this week in the news. The world of Rutgers, which is probably a good sign for this time of year, I mean you have a couple camps going on and you have some coaches working local camps, but for the most part it's vacation. Gearing up for uh, Media Day. I know Chris Ash is out on the West Coast with his family this week, but we'll see him
1: in Chicago Sunday and Monday. L.A.? Because I spent some time in L.A. I could have given him some pointers.
0: No, San Diego, which... uh, I could give him
1: some pointers there, too.
0: We all know the uh, Spanish translation there. Brian, uh, how are you... Carmen, San Diego? Where is Carmen, San Diego? I'm going to assume you've never seen Anchorman.
1: I have two young kids. Like, when do I have time to watch a movie?
0: Thanks, Brian. And before we get into the news, uh, let's jump right into our guest interview segment for the week. Before I welcome in our guest for the week, I want to give a little context to our interview segment here on the Rutgers ScoutCast. Rutgers basketball, hard at work right now, just like Rutgers football, off-season workouts and conditioning. On Tuesday afternoon, evening, Rutgers held a workout and I stopped by at the end of the workout for some media availability. It was my first look at the team since Coach Van Dyke got into the strength program and wow, there are some changes going on. These guys literally across the board are all in better shape. Some players didn't even look like the same guys just from a body transformation perspective. There's a lot more focus right now on strength and adding muscle and doing things professionally to prevent injury. I would say that Shaq Dorson impressed me the most physically with his transformation. He's a legit 7-footer now. Obviously, growing an inch as a teenager has, no- has nothing to do with strength and conditioning, but it doesn't hurt. He's in great shape. And then you look at some upperclassmen, guys like Mike Williams, who, you know, he's been in the college weight program before, but you could tell he took it to a new level I enjoyed talking with Mike, who's always energetic, but the highlight for me was talking to Corey Sanders. Uh, Talking to Corey Sanders is, frankly, quite often a highlight of my day when I get a chance to do it. He's incredibly entertaining. I love guys that come from Florida and embrace it. He's got that Florida swagger, and you can hear some of that in the interview coming up. This is the first time that, as far as I know, anyone's gotten to talk to Corey Sanders since he... Declared for the NBA, did some training for the NBA down in Florida, and then decided to come back to Rutgers for what he calls unfinished business. You can hear him describe it in his words in our interview segment. I hope you enjoyed the little uptick in Rutgers basketball coverage this week, because once Big Ten Media Day starts this Sunday, it's going to be a lot of football coverage. Rutgers basketball, when classes end next week, they get about a month off. It's going to be a stressful time for the uh, basketball program in hoping that these guys keep on their grind on their own schedule without Rutgers able to hound them in person. And just a quick side story from my experience at the rack. It's an example of times changing and ideas changing at Rutgers. For the first time, I think, ever since I've been at Rutgers, which starts in the fall of 2007, I had a security guard at the rack come up to me, ask me what I was doing there. I'd never seen that before. And then I was talking to Steve Peichel about it a little bit, and it's something that they're changing. They want the rack to be a special place. They want to make sure that the athletes are the focus within the building, that they're able to practice whenever they can. And part of that is you know, keeping people from wandering in off the streets and causing problems and making it feel special when you walk in the rack think about think about it from a fan's perspective when you walk in there you want it to feel special and if you can just walk in at any time and interrupt workouts and business meetings then it's not special so that's just one small example of the kinds of things and the culture changing that we're talking about but enough about behind the scenes stuff i'm always happy to talk more Rutgers basketball on the site but here we go my interview with Corey Sanders Or just talking to you after the workout today. How are you feeling? Like, how hard are you getting pushed now?
2: I'm feeling good. You know, I'm getting pushed to, to my max level, you know, with these new coaches. And uh, I'm just thanking them for everything, you know, because uh, without work, I'm not going to get better. And I want to get better to reach that, that next level. So, and to win games. So, we, you know, if I don't get better, we're not going to get better as a unit and just myself. Do you like the way that this new coaching staff, Coach Pike, and everyone is challenging you? Mm-hmm, yeah, I love it. You know, I'm always up for a challenge, you know. Coming here, I knew I was going to be in for a challenge. You know, through the first year, I got through the first year of obstacles. So now I'm just focused on, you know, improving. You know, with my teammates. You know, with our coaches. You know, the coaches get better too as as we get along. And um, you know, just, we're just in here working right now, trying to uh, piece everything together for this year. Uh, you obviously explored the NBA. How much did you learn from that experience? Um, I learned a lot. You know, I just I trained for like a week and a half down in Miami. And uh, you know, just trying to get some feedback from those those guys. You know, they work with the top players and stuff like that. So I got great feedback. Um, you know, they wanted me to pursue more into it, but you know, I just wanted to come back and, you know, redeem myself more from last year. Um, as as a as a as a person, as just me and my team, you know, we didn't do so so great. So, you know, I wanna come back and uh have a winning record and, you know, do things that I know we can do. And, you know, we can go beyond, you know, what I have set for us. But you know, it, it all comes over time and work. You deciding to come back. I mean, you
0: mentioned redemption. Just how exciting is it now that you're back and working out with the team again? It's
2: great. You know, I. You know, it's basketball is in the air. You know, we're getting here um, two days out of the week. You know, right now we only got two hours. But, you know, those two hours, we go hard the whole two hours. We're in the <laughs> weight room every day. So, you know, it's the little things that we're doing right now. And then until we get back in September, until we can really crank things up. But, you know, we're focused right now on changing the culture around here. You finally get to play with Nigel Johnson. Are you excited for that? I'm, yeah, I'm really excited. You know, every day we go at it. You know, he pushes me to go hard. I push him to go harder. You know, after after practice, we're playing one-on-one. Me, him, and Mike, we're just playing, um, you know, the seven one-on-one, whoever gets there first. You know, uh, and it's great competition, you know, having somebody like that in our backcourt. I feel like me and, you know, me, me, Nigel, and Mike, we can have one of the best backcourts in the Big Ten, you know, next year. You know, I, And I stand by that. You know, you can quote me on that, so... You know, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for my boy. You ready?
0: Um, I know that you were obviously close with Coach Jordan and some of the guys that left, but okay. having Coach Vitron come back, mm-hmm. how, how much easier is the transition with that happening? Oh yeah, I...
2: you know, he's a he was he's really one of the main reasons I came. You know, we have a great relationship. You know, I'm close with him and his family, and you know, he's like he's like a he's like that that OG. You know, he's a, he's an OG of mine. You know. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, we were able to keep him because, you know, he's just, he's just done a lot for me. He's here for me, you know, for guidance. And anything I need, he's there for me, you know. So it just made, made it easier for me to come in here and work, work and give it my all. Before I started recording, we were talking about how you're in much better shape yeah. now. T-
0: just tell me what have you been doing and, and how much better physically are you now?
2: Um, well, like I said, every day we've been in the weight room with Van Dyke, and he just does different things I never, you know, did in my life. Uh, Definitely things we didn't do last year. Um, you know, and I came up. I didn't gain about six pounds. Now I'm trying to at least gain like ten before the season starts, and uh, and just stay solid. And, you know, uh, getting better, better shape. And, you know, he's conditioning us right. So um, you know, I really appreciate him because he's doing a lot for us in that aspect. Uh, three more things at the end of these interviews I ask some kind of
0: weird questions. So uh, I guess just your your experiences at Rutgers. Who who would you say is your favorite Rutgers player? Ever doesn't, doesn't have to be. Yeah, ever it doesn't have to be basketball. It could be football or lacrosse
2: or whatever. Carew. Carew and Grant. Engineer and, and Grant. Yeah, yeah, them boys. That's his name, right? Yeah. Yeah, Janine, yeah. yeah your Florida guy. Yeah, Florida guy. Florida guy right there. You know, I love watching him. I'll go home and watch, you know, his highlights. Uh just, just cause, you know, that's exciting to see. You know, somebody from Florida, you know, putting the work that he does in Carew, getting to the league. For football, you know that's great. So uh, I went and watched his games last year, and he was amazing. So I like, I really like him.
0: Um, what I guess in terms of your experiences here at
2: Rutgers so far, what's your favorite memory?
0: Something that you really remember through your first year here?
2: First year here, I guess my favorite memory was that shot I made in here. You know, those that in that thirty-nine point game, that was just crazy to me. You know, it was just that. Was, that was just a night to remember. You know, that was one of the nights I just I can't forget. Like I want a picture of, of that shot. You know. Up in my wall one day. So,
0: do you even remember how you made that? Like, I, or me- that I remember that. Uh, you just
2: black out and you made it. No, I remember everything. It was, you know, came up for the for the step back three, missed that short, got the ball at the elbow, went to the side of the, uh, you know, top of the three, threw it up. You know, and Mike was mad that he wasn't able to take that shot because he fouled out. But, you know, <laughs> he was moving his feet a little more. It was, you know, like, yeah, he was. He was, he was. Uh, last thing, what's your favorite uh, meal on campus now, what's your on go-to? Campus, my go-to, uh, I'm, I'm always at Giovanelli's, uh, Giovanelli's has like the best pizza slices and buffalo wings I've ever tasted, so shot to Giovanelli's. The buffalo chicken pizza is pretty strong. Yeah, yeah, all that, yeah, I see.
0: Thanks Corey. Alright. Brian, being the scout national recruiting analyst in the east, you have a pretty unique perception on some rankings and how that whole process works in evaluating prospects, so I wanted to do a, a frequently asked questions this week, uh, Rutgers recruiting FAQ, we'll call it. Brian, you obviously play a pretty big role in ranking the Rutgers class with how much regional recruiting Chris Ash has done so far. A, a question that I've gotten a lot from fans, and I think it would be interesting to hear your perspective, Rutgers has about a 2.85 average star rating for these recruits. So how is this a top 25 class?
1: Because it is not based solely on star ranking. Um, it's a it's a complex thing, but here's the deal. If you were going only with stars and you brought in 10-5 stars and another class had 25 kids in it, well, the class with 25 kids fills more needs. So it's not just a straight up star system because if you recruit 10 kids over four classes you have 40 kids in your program you're not winning so it's based on not only star ranking and positional ranking but also how many kids you're bringing in and and everybody wonders about well if this kid wasn't a two star it's killing us well the way it works is the top and the bottom guys kind of cancel each other out Um, So you're really getting a better cross-section of what your class is built on.
0: I think that when you have a lower average star rating, it it does tend to imply that maybe that class rating will drop once other schools fill up. Rutgers has has 20 commitments right now, and some schools only have five or six. So once things even up and other schools start landing the five-star targets that are not announcing until January All-Star Games, you're going to see that change, but Another change this year is that Rutgers is involved with some of those kids, so you never know. Rutgers might get a little shot in the arm in January.
1: They may get a shot in the arm, but you're dead on. You look at you know, a combination of star ranking and how many commits they have. Rutgers has a ton of commits, so it's based on points. So if you have 20 commits and another school has 10 commits, you're going to be ahead on points. Um, that's why it's great to celebrate where Rutgers is as a class right now, but it's not staying there. I'll tell you right now, you you just look around, unless other schools are going to start signing 15 kids in a class and those kids are all going to be two stars, Rutgers isn't staying as a top 25 class, but that doesn't matter. What matters is they're making up ground and they're becoming relevant in New Jersey as far as kids wanting to get offers. When Greg Sciano left Rutgers, kids were ticked off that Rutgers didn't offer them. Right? They would leave and they think, man, I, they were mad. If they didn't get a Rutgers offer, they were mad. And I remember talking to Miles Schuler and how ecstatic he was that he finally got a Rutgers offer despite having some others. So you look at that standpoint to where they're rebuilding that now because, you know, the last few years, the best players didn't care if Rutgers offered. It wasn't even a thought for them. So it's part of the rebuilding job. So don't look at the rankings so much, but look at the success they're having against other schools that they have not had in the last few years. That's how you gauge whether recruiting's on the uptick. Who were they beating for kids, legitimately beating? That means who wants a kid and who gets them
0: remember uh, talking to Tyler Hayek right after he was supposed to talk to Rutgers about an offer and Rutgers didn't offer and he was legitimately upset and a little angry about it I mean I think that's kind of that transition you mentioned Miles Shuler I know Hayek doesn't have the same level of offers that Miles Shuler did when Rutgers came into the picture but it was a kid that was real mad about the offer and so then when it came it meant something special and it was a quick commitment
1: yeah and, and that's what you're looking at I mean when you are talking about the top ten classes it doesn't do any good to have it happen once it's gotta be over a period of time and I did a uh, piece sometime in the spring after signing day about the top recruiting programs of the last decade across the country and what you found was Alabama and LSU were in the top ten I think nine of the ten years Alabama's won about four national titles in recruiting Florida was up there high. Ohio State up there high. Uh, Teams with money that went. Texas was up there high. And if you remember, you know they didn't hit the skids until the last four years or so. And so you're exactly right. I mean, Alabama's recruiting staff is probably bigger than Rutgers staff. So they invest a lot of money. But the key isn't do you have a top 25 class this year. The key is... If you're Rutgers, can you put together a top 30, top 35 class this year, next year, the following year, and the following year? Because that's when you start seeing the difference on the field, not in one class.
0: Uh, Next question, Brian, one that we've both gotten a lot. Bo Melton, top receiver in New Jersey. Why is he a three-star kid and not a four-star? And what are the chances that he gets bumped up to a four-star when you continue to evaluate him?
1: He's got a chance when I watch him play this year. I want to see him more as a receiver. I watched him play twice last year. It was as a running back. And I want to make sure he, can, you know, that he has the good hands. I want to make sure he understands routes as a receiver and, and can he get to separation, which I think he can. And just because you're the number one player at a position in a state, doesn't mean you're a four-star or a five-star. It depends on, the, on what's going on that year. You look at this year in New Jersey, not good on the offensive line, not good in a lot of places, to be honest. There's not a ton of receiver depth. Um, there's not a lot of running back depth. So, you know, the D-line is terrible in the state. Um, and that's no slight on who's ranked you know, the top kids because they're the top kids. But you look at it, and it's just not a very deep year, a lot of positions in the state. So usually you'd see the number one receiver in the state would probably be, she's probably a top 200 kid in the country. It's just not the way it is this year. And then again, you look at Melton once again, and look, I love Bo. I think everybody knows I love As a player, he's not 6'3, who runs great, and he's not a little 5'8, 5'9 water bug who can scat through everything and make a ton of people miss in space. So let's see what he is, and and that doesn't mean he's a bad player. I think he's a really, really good player who I've been on record saying the former staff missed the boat, even, you know, they should have offered him months before they actually did. But it doesn't make him a four star. So
0: you talked about his height not being
1: ideal for
0: what he does but what's what can he change or what can he show you to become a four star kid
1: yes like i said you know he can show me how good he is at running routes he can show me that he is a shorthanded pass catcher and he can just continue to perform the way he he has and the other thing is you know this idea that if you're a three star you're no good has got to be the most ludicrous thing that people think that in order to be good you have to be a four star. There will be 350 players this year in the country that are four or five star players. And so automatically everybody thinks oh he's a three star. He's not any good. Well, how about the one, how about the number 351 kid? You really think there's that big of a separation between 350 and 351? I mean, you know, people get caught up in the stars, and I get it, that's part of our business, the stars and the rankings, and and we feed that, but somehow along the way, people have decided that a three-star kid isn't any good, when a three-star kid is still a 1% kid in the country, and the majority of college football programs winning on a big-time level have their fair share of three stars who are performing really well so you know you sit there and you say well he should be four he should be four shoot man he almost is a four so what do we do are we that hung up on on ten fifteen slots That's gonna change that I mean it's just to me it's crazy that people think a three-star kid isn't any good
0: another question Brian there's conspiracy theorists out there and they think this is for every school, but you hear it a lot with Rutgers. Rutgers has gotten commitments early in the process this year from what was at the time the number one quarterback in the state, Jonathan Lewis, and the number one cornerback in the state, Edwin Lopez. Neither of them are number one anymore, so why is it that you... Consistently drop kids after they commit to Rutgers. (laughs) Like, how how dare you? What is that about?
1: Exactly. I remember when I uh, dropped Bryce Watts and dropped um, Tim Barrow. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. They got stars added. Um, Sorry about that. Look, you know, everybody sits here and says, You dropped Jonathan Lewis. Why didn't I just elevate Tommy DeVito? Why is it a drop? Harrison Hand goes to the opening. He showed. Four-four speed with a six-foot body and runs really well. Um, so people say, oh, we dropped Edwin Lopez. No, we didn't. We elevated Harrison Hand. Edwin Lopez didn't do anything to, to be dropped. Harrison Hand did something to jump ahead of him. Tommy DeVito was outstanding out at the opening. And I know people, well, you didn't do anything with uh, the Rutgers quarterback who was committed last year winds up going to Temple I mean you're looking at it and you're saying well Anthony Russo his talent didn't project well into college DeVito got rid of the ball quick was accurate great leadership and performed really well for his team and as a matter of fact the last day of the opening last year, Anthony Russo didn't even participate because you didn't have to play every quarterback. So the coaches there decided they, their best chance to win was without him playing. Same situation this year. Tommy DeVito played, took most of the reps. He's gotten better. He's gotten bigger. He's gotten stronger. Jonathan Lewis saw him into 7-on-7. Seven seven. He didn't throw it well. What do you want me to tell you? Go watch the tape. He struggled. But that's also not his game. And people sit here and say, how can DeVito go ahead of Jonathan Lewis? How can Harrison Hand go ahead of Edwin Lopez? Well, shoot. I mean, if the case is... You know, I hear from every site. Every site's fans think their kids get dropped after something happens. Or, wait, wait a minute. Alabama just offered this kid and his ranking went up. Well, sometimes Alabama offers a kid because a kid got better. And... Because we're at all these camps and we see all these kids and we don't get home and say, okay, this kid's ranking is going to change right now, even though we plan on his ranking changing. I mean, I mean, we came out of the Rutgers 7 on saying Justin Shorter is really good. He's got to be bumped up. He's a, he's a Scout 100 kid right now out of South Brunswick in 2018. But the point is these kids get bumped up a lot of times because, for lack of a better way to put it, they get the offer, but we've already made the decision to bump them. But we don't change our rankings every day. Otherwise, that's all we'd be doing is, is changing them every day. As
0: schools drop kids, their stars drop too. You see schools back into commitments sometimes because other options dry up, and recruiting analysts are looking at the exact same thing that schools are. Schools are dropping kids, and, and so are analysts, and it seems to go hand in hand. Yeah,
1: I mean, look, kids don't get better. We're going to tell you. I mean. They sometimes you max out physically, and you look at a kid who maybe comes in really strong where he could just manhandle the competition in high school. But what's his ceiling? See, when you're ranking kids, it's not how are you doing in high school? That's the biggest fallacy. If it was how you were doing in high school, Mark Facetti would have had an Alabama offer a few years ago and said he had no 1A offers out of North Jersey. And thank goodness for Mark, he wound up going to Princeton. But you look at it and you say, it's not just what you do now. It's what will you be. And it's not, well, you're going to be a first-round draft pick by the time you're a redshirt senior. Because if you're only getting one year out of a kid... Well, you can't make him a five-star. And if you're getting three years out of a kid, well, yeah, I mean, the, the basic rule is, you know, a four-star... You know, a five-star, you expect to go in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. A four-star, you would expect him to be an all-conference player. A three-star, you would expect him to be a two-year starter. And a two-star, you're expecting him to be a contributor or a backup, or maybe a guy who starts for a year. That's what you're looking at. And you go back to it and you say, well, look at this two-star started for three years. And you can pick anything and find an exception to the rule.
0: Yeah, Kyle Flood won nine games.
1: Exactly. But the other thing is, you sit here and you say... You know, everybody's like, oh, the Rutgers walk-on program. Look how great it is, all the walk-ons that played last year. They're really showing, you know, and, and I listened to it go on and on about how these walk-ons were doing so great. No, no. They, they, they That's why they didn't win last year, because you had too many walk-ons playing who put in a lot of work, and there's going to be one or two that are good, but some of them just are playing because there's nobody else in the program to play. And so... You tell me who you'd rather cover, a four-star tight end or a walk-on tight end. Most times, you'd rather cover the walk-on tight end.
0: Last question, Brian, before we transition into the uh, Q&A mailbag segment for this week. You are mostly involved with sites in the region, which is you know Rutgers, Penn State, Maryland, Syracuse, newly Virginia Tech, North Carolina to a certain degree. Yeah,
1: West Virginia, Pittsburgh.
0: Right. Which... Which site or which fan base do you think hates you the most? Because I gotta go. I gotta guess it's Rutgers. I'm curious from your perspective. Who do you think hates you the most? Where are you the biggest villain?
1: Well, those are two different questions. There's a difference between being a villain and being hated. Um, I, I don't know. It depends what day the rankings come out. Um, no, I don't. I don't feel like I am on any site. I feel like you have passionate fans who are fans, right? That's what they're. fans, And my job is to be objective. So, I mean, I think the the only thing that ever irritates me is when people think I rank a kid based on where they go to college. Whether it's they go to Penn State so they get a bump. They go to Rutgers or Syracuse so they get a drop. Um, Because these are kids I know pretty well. I see these kids all the time, and they pay attention to their rankings. I've had kids, I mean, just not talk because of we had a four-star who went to Alabama last year who wouldn't talk to me because I wouldn't make him a five-star because he just had a bad senior year. Um, but what bothers me, I think, or irritates me is when people think... There's an ulterior motive to ranking a kid. I have to look that kid in the face, look him in the eyes, and explain to him why his ranking is where it is. And to sit there and say, you did this because of a school, you rank this kid a five-star because now he's going to Bama, you rank this kid a four-star because he's going to Penn State, you rank this kid a two-star because he's going to Syracuse or he's going to Rutgers, it's unfair to the kids that earn their... Rankings, And, I mean, two-star kids are very good players. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, two-star kids are the best kids on their high school team. So let's understand that, too. So I think that's what irritates me the most. But I don't feel like any site hates me. I mean, you go on a site, you give them good news, they love you. You go on a site, you give them something they disagree with, and they're going to go after you. It's, it's part of the gig. I've been, you know, in public eye enough in the media that I I don't let it impact me.
0: Welcome to the Rutgers Mailbag segment for this week here on the Rutgers Scout cast. You can contact me at Sam Hellman Scout on Twitter or on the Scarlet Report premium message board to get your questions in. The question this week came in reaction to evidence in Joku and his verbal commitment to Miami what do recruits see in Miami is the question with the with the attendance pretty well documented isn't good down there and the team hasn't won in a while what do recruits see in Miami Brian
1: oh boy how much time we have on this podcast, And We got a while?
0: Let's try and keep it to a couple minutes because we could probably go on for quite some okay. time. Okay,
1: well, the attendance thing, I mean, you can ask the same thing up east when kids choose any school not named Penn State, you know, who's getting 100000 a game. But what do they see? A lot of people don't know this, but Miami is a really good academic school. Very and, good. And they think of the U, and they think of the swag, and for whatever reason they don't think it's a good academic school it is a very good academic school so mom and dad are on board with academics the campus gorgeous Coral Gables Florida beautiful absolutely beautiful it is equivalent to me to USC in the sense of this USC is a stellar academic program private school facilities are, you know, okay, football stadium falling apart, but L.A. Coliseum, nice, and I get that Miami plays in whatever they call pro-player stadium these days, that's from my Dodger days when it was pro-player, but, you know, 40 minutes from campus or whatever it is, but the flip side of that is you only go there seven times a year, so it's not like, you know, you're going to make a decision with bad attendance Based on seven games a year? Are you kidding me? So, what do they see? Incredible academics, a beautiful campus, and a great area to live. I mean, if you're sitting down with your kid trying to make a decision based on college, and all things are, you know, you don't have any allegiance to any school, and you start looking at what Miami has to offer, it's got a ton to offer. And that's why kids go there and that's why when you're winning nine games it's not good enough there because it should be one of those places that has so many built-in advantages in recruiting.
0: You look at this rendition of Miami and heck Mark Richt is a quite the selling point so I, I look at that uh, it always starts with the head coach and recruiting and that doesn't hurt at all to have him coming over from Georgia. Miami is a school that think about where the best talent in the country is it, it's, a lot of it's in Florida. South
1: Florida. Not just
0: Florida. South Florida. Exactly. And guess who has relationships with those schools and can get there more than anyone else? So I look at that. I I had two cousins, both from New Jersey, by the way, that decided to leave New Jersey to go to Miami for college. They didn't regret it. Very good education, like you mentioned. And there's a lot of different cultures coming down there, so you can find a way to be comfortable.
1: Well, that... It...
0: And that... Uh, I bet you that Hurricanes in the NFL reel looks a lot nicer than the some of the competitors. <laughs> Going off topic for the week, I got a lot of questions from you guys about what I did during my vacation. I only get a couple days a year, and I always want to make them count. So to break down my vacation, I'm proud to introduce... One of my best bookings so far as a guest. We call him Big Papa Pump, David Hellman, uh, J.P. Stevens, class of 1978. How would you describe to Rutgers fans what
3: I did on my vacation? Well, you didn't sleep nearly enough. You uh, sat on the sofa a lot and watched a good amount of TV. Um, You ate a good amount and you eat really fast. That was just uh, something I noticed. You you ate a lot, and you ate fast. Uh, you walked around the neighborhood, and uh, I think you got lost at one point. Yeah, uh, not the TV show. I haven't watched that in years.
0: The uh, faster you eat, the faster you can move on to something else. And I would, as I often do, quote office space in describing my vacation. I did absolutely nothing, and it was everything I thought it could be right here in Alexandria, Virginia. While we have you, you uh, obviously a big, big fan of Rutgers. But Rutgers fans need to know. I mean, from someone that grew up in the 732 before it was the
3: 732, you abandoned New Jersey and went to Duke for college. How dare you? Uh, yeah, that's true. I uh, had not been. Uh, I had not spent a lot of time out of New Jersey prior to my college years. The only place I went to uh, other than that was Miami Beach which in the 70s and 60s was basically New Jersey. Yeah, it so, was basically downtown New Brunswick. Right, so I wanted to just uh, experience something else and uh, Duke seemed like a good choice getting out of that uh, uh, environment. Well, I hope Rutgers fans never forgive you. Thanks to everyone
0: that uh, checked out David Hellman's book, The Karma Sense Eating Plan. Go ahead and plug your
3: stuff. Uh, Karma Sense Eating Plan, a light-hearted but sincere guide to being healthier, happier, In Saving the World, you can get uh, the Karma Sense Eating Plan at uh, karmasensewellness.com.
0: Thanks, everyone, for listening to another Friday edition of the Rutgers Scout Cast. As we continue to grow, I continue to ask you all to take a quick minute out of your day and toss us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. It really does help support the show and help grow the show, which is one of my goals. Thanks again to Corey Sanders and everyone from Rutgers Basketball for being accommodating this week, and thanks to Brian Doan. I think that since he used to be the Rutgers publisher, people sometimes take for granted that he's a national recruiting analyst. It's a great resource to have when you want to have those big-picture recruiting discussions. It might seem like two Rutgers guys chatting, but I mean, this is the guy that does the ratings and rankings, and he's been doing it for quite some time now, so I think it's important to examine that perspective. We'll bring back these recruiting FAQs sporadically if people like them, so let us know. Let Brian know on Twitter. Let me know at SamHellmanScout. Otherwise, I appreciate you taking some time out of your weekend to listen to the show as always. Uh, you can contact me, hellman at Scout.com with anything about the show or about Scarlet Report. Don't forget our uh, chance for a extended free trial if you use the code phrase on the podcast. The code phrase this week is Giovanelli's, a great pizza place down on Easton Ave that you heard Corey Sanders talk about. As you listen to this, uh, I'm either packing or on my way out to Chicago, so stay tuned for a ton of Big Ten Media Day coverage. I'm Scarlet Report publisher Sam Hellman. Thanks for listening.